Let's stand together and let's uh, open our Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 1. You know, in anything that we do in the church, let's, let's just look at it. You have a passion for evangelism. You share your faith with other people and you see other people who are afraid or other people who just don't have a passion or other people who don't. You have a passion for worship. And you understand that God's worthy of our worship, and you freely worship, and you express what you see other people who maybe they don't. Uh, you have a passion, for instance, to be here tonight and learn from the Word, and you, you want to do that, and you look around, and you see, well, there's, there's, you know, we have people in other classes too, but there's, we can still fill this place up. There's people who don't. You have, you, you have a belief in giving or whatever, and some people just don't get it. Uh, this lesson tonight is all about not just this kind of thing, but practical things in our lives that we begin to pray together for that change. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Father, we thank you for your word tonight that teaches us and, Lord, I, I pray that tonight the men and women in this room, that we would understand the power of prayer that you have given us to bring about change. And, and that, Father, we would, we would understand these basics of prayer so that our prayer life would be stronger and our relationship with you would be stronger as well. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, how many of you uh, know somebody, maybe you love them, you like them, maybe you don't like them, but you know somebody that you would like to see them change some things in their life? Okay, for these of you who don't have your hands up, I want you to share your testimonies with us. That you... uh, how many of you have things in your own life that you'd like to see change, you, you fight to change them and it's hard? Yeah. Here's this, here's this point I want to make right as we get started today. Prayer is the most powerful thing you can do to bring about change in other people's lives. It's the most powerful thing you can do to bring about change in your own life. So many times, we, we can't argue people into change. Uh, we, when we have kids and we're raising, we try to discipline them into change, and that works somewhat. But the... The real core issues of life, uh, when I think about spiritual awakening, you know, a friend who's really lost and I want to see them spiritually awaken, or my kids, I want to see them spiritually awaken the things of God. Prayer is the most powerful thing I, I can do for them. Therefore, it's also the one thing the enemy will try to keep you from doing the most. The enemy wants to keep you from praying. And if you do pray, he wants you to pray the wrong way. You know, in a couple of weeks, on, on Monday night, the 28th, we'll have a prayer time here. You're invited to come and be a part of it for, from 5.30. The doors will open about 5, but 5.30 to 6.30 we'll pray together. And we're going to pray for our city. You know, all the stuff that we do to reach out to our city, if the way is not made through prayer, it's not going to do anything. You know, we need, God has ordained, God has determined that like breath fills our lungs and give us, gives us life, that prayer moves things. You say, well, why? I don't, why, why, why do you make us be, have to breathe? He just made us that way. He's made things this way. So, so here, I want to give you, take, take a moment right now. I'm going to give you about 60 seconds. Take a moment and write down some personal things in your life or some things in others that you would like to see change, you know, habits, attitudes, relationships. Maybe you have someone who has an addiction or someone who's far from God and maybe somebody who's unkind to you. Just take a moment on your notes and, and just write down their name or write down that thing in your life. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to do that. You can keep writing if you need to, if you've got 
You can flip the paper over and put more names on, whatever you need to do. I, I, I want to tell you, so why do we do this? One of the most effective ways to build your prayer capacity and to make your prayer life focus the way you want it to be focused and to pray about the things you really need to pray about is to build a prayer list and to take that prayer list with you into your prayer time. That way when the enemy begins to distract you or your flesh begins to distract you and your, your mind begins to wonder, you can go right back to that prayer list and go, okay, what's on this list? Oh, yeah, I need to pray for that friend of mine. I need to pray for this thing in my life. I need to pray for this church issue. Now, one of the things that, that we're going to start doing, in fact, we did it for some of you this week, is we're going to send out uh, almost weekly to anybody who wants one uh, a list of prayer requests from people in our church, people who filled out prayer requests or people who have needs and different things going on in the church. And we'll just send an email out with a whole list of that. If, you're, if you didn't get one of those this week, that means you're not on that prayer list to get that. If you would take one of the connection cards tonight, put your name on it, and uh, put your email address on it and put prayer list. You can drop that in the black booth at Black Box or give it to me afterwards. We'll put you on that list and you'll start getting that. And there's just a whole, you know, church our size, there's all kinds of different requests uh, that people have. And this is a, it's a very effective tool for us as a church to be able to pray in unity together, but it's also a very effective tool for you when you go into your prayer life to, to be able to say, okay, here are things I need to bring before the Lord and ask him uh, to move in these things. The full scope of prayer is huge. We can't cover it all even in the next few weeks. I, I was at a, a basketball clinic with a bunch of our kids years ago, and there was a very good coach there, and he was talking to the kids at the start of the week, and he said to them, I thought something that really stuck with me. He said, I cannot make you a great basketball player this week. And the kids are like, oh, man, we want to become great grass. He said, no, I can give you some tools that if you'll go home and do them, you'll become a much better basketball player, and some of you will become great basketball players. But all, all I have time for this week is to give you some tools. Well, that's kind of what we do with prayer. We can give you some tools like this making a prayer list. We can give you some understanding that you can become a, a person of prayer. And I want, you to, I want you to capture this with me. Great men and women of prayer bring the power of God to bear on their lives and their generation. So here we are. Just think about this theoretically and, and, and practically. Uh, the God of this age, we, we were given authority. Mankind was given authority over the earth. When man fell into sin, we surrendered our authority, our authority to the God of this age, and he has authority on this earth. When Jesus came, he invaded that authority and established a new kingdom. When we got saved, we step into the new kingdom. We now have great, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And so now we have authority to pray. God's, Jesus has given us authority to come before God and to pray, and we have more authority than the God of this age. So we, have the, we, we bring to bear the power and the authority of God into the places where we have power and authority. So in my life, that's total. I surrender my life to Christ. Total authority for God to move in my life. In my children's life, as a father, and they're growing up, I have authority, and I pray over them and seek God over them, but they have some authority. As they get older and they reset age accountability, they've got some authority. I'm praying for them to be hungry and for them to surrender that authority to God as well. 
in our community. We, we have the authority of the church in our community. We can't force anybody to do anything, but we can bring the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, the moving power of the Holy Spirit to bear. We can bring uh, the line of holiness and faithfulness to bear to impact our community to hold back sin. And that's what great men and women of prayer do. They bring the power of God to bear. Now, one thing I have, I've learned about prayer is this. Prayer is a battlefield. Just, just getting started can be a battle. So you say, I'm going to get up every morning at 6, and I'm going to pray. And that alarm goes off, and the snooze button gets hit. Because it's a battlefield. And so you determine, okay, I can't do this in the morning. I'll do this before I go to bed at night. And it gets to be bedtime, and you think, oh, I am too tired tonight. It's whatever, wherever you put, I'm just going to tell you, wherever you put it, it's going to be a battle to get started. And that battle, and listen, I've been doing this a long time now. I'm telling you, that battle is fresh every day where the enemy wants to discourage you and keep your flesh from submitting itself and stepping in to the place of prayer that makes a difference. Uh, you know, some things became rather easier for us. You know, praying for our kids every day and, and doing those kind of things became easier. But staying consistent and staying focused in a prayer time is one of the places where the enemy fights us. And then when you get in prayer, uh, the enemy's going to try to fight you through that time as well. So as much as is a, as, is a battle, it's also natural to pray. When we're scared, when we're hurting, when we're worried about something, what do we naturally do? Pray. We cry out to God. And, and so here's what I want you to capture. We do that because we're scared. We do that because we've got a bad word. We, get, we do that because something happened that we don't like and we can't control and so we pray. But here's the truth. It is prideful to think we can overcome anything in life without God. That's just prideful. So oh, I don't need to pray about my job. It's going pretty good. No, it's going pretty good because God's blessing. Hey, I'm a great salesman, so I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm being successful. You're a great salesman because God's made you a great salesman. It, it's prideful to think anything that I have is of my own doing. It's the gift, the resources, and the ability. Well, I worked hard. Yeah, God gave you the ability to work hard. God gave you the ability to learn. God gave you everything. We owe everything to him. So to think we have anything, health, food, you know, skills, whatever, uh, is, is prideful when we understand who we are. Now, when we face our limits, when we face our limits, when, when your kid's making terrible decisions, uh, your marriage is in trouble and we can't, you can't fix it, your career's in trouble and you can't fix it, your health is in trouble and the doctor's going, no, that's all we can do. Boy, we, we're faced with our limits, aren't we? And when we're faced with our limits, what do we do? Pray. We come down. We're fast to the altar when we're sick, aren't we? Doctor says, listen, we're going to run a test on this. We're going to see what it is. It doesn't look good. We're, pray for me. We're, we're quick to the altar in those moments. And we should be. Nothing wrong with that. What I'm telling you is that we should be quick to the altar all the time. We should be quick to the, to, to the prayer all the time. The wise man sees his limits sooner than others and therefore begins to pray sooner than others. Now, I've shared this with you before. I remember uh, uh, the, the day our firstborn was born, and I'm holding her in my arms in the hospital room, and I, I realize how much I love her and how much I want good for her, and all, this is, all these emotions as a first-time father are sweeping over me. And at the same time, I'm realizing I'd, I'd worked with a lot of teenagers over the years. I'd worked with sullen, angry, mad, addicted, uh, you know, crazy, sometime teen. A lot of good ones, but some, most of them were good, but a few of them that were really out there. And I'm holding this little girl in my hands. I'm going, 
I wonder which one she is. You know, is she going to be one of the good ones or is she going to be one that, you know, you're fighting with from the get-go? And I, I, I came face-to-face in that moment with my limitations. And that drove me to say, I'm going to pray for her every day. I'm going to pray for her all the time. Uh, here's the second thing we need to understand. Uh, we're not very good at prayer. We're not, you're not naturally good at prayer. We, we naturally cry out for things. But the depth of prayer, the real relationship side of prayer, we, we need to learn. Most people can cry out to God in a moment of desperation. But hear me, the real power of prayer is not in the moment of desperation. God may answer that prayer and does many, many times. But the real long-lasting impact of prayer is in the developed relationship with God where you are transformed and you are changed and where you get new insight uh, from him. So what you find is that, that most people, most people can pray at a meal or, or, or pray with their child at, at a bedtime, but to get along with God and to take, take on the enemy and to lift up or to lift up a friend that's in need, boy, that, that becomes a, a short run. They can't make it very far in that. I first started to pray, trying to learn to pray, when I was about 12 years old. Uh, I'd read the book, The Cross and Switchblade. David Wilkerson had talked about praying an hour every day. And I remember it was about a 12, 13-year-old saying, okay, I'm going to pray for a half an hour every day. And I would go up to my bedroom at night, and, and I did this for maybe a week, and tried to pray for a half an hour. You know, when you're trying to pray, I, I heard a preacher say this once. He goes, when I'm preaching, the clock seems to go like this. When I'm praying, it goes like this. It, it, it's just a battle. And boy, that's what I discovered in that moment. Five minutes of prayer seemed like an eternity. I just didn't, I didn't have the prayer capacity. I didn't have the spiritual capacity to even understand how to do this. I was just trying to do this noble thing. But it was like, like if we, with, with most of us, if we went outside tonight and said, okay, everybody run a mile, there may be a few of you in here who've been running that could do that lickety split, and the rest of us would be sucking air before we got to the parking lot. <laughs> are, are you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's the same thing spiritually. We begin to spiritually suck air pretty quick because we haven't learned and grown in that capacity uh, to, to learn how to do it. Uh, so we need to, 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 to learn this. Now, time is an interesting aspect of this. Lots of time is not needed in the emergency. You've got an emergency that's happening. You don't need a lot of time. But God wants us to develop a relationship with him. And that you need some time. Relationships need time. Who you are as a person, character, fears, worries, the makeup of who you are, how you see the world, your moral, that's all been poured into you and built in you over years of life. And what needs to be straightened out and cleaned up and rethought and redone and reworked and re, reapplied in your life, <coughs> that's a relationship thing that happens with time with God. And, and you praying and, and seeking him and being a person of prayer. The relationship is important. So look at all the great people of God in the Bible, and you'll discover one common thing about them all. They're people of prayer. So your family, our church, our generation, needs you to learn how to protect them in prayer. God has given us authority to make a difference in all of those areas by praying. And we can try to make a difference in all those areas in other ways, but the primary way God's told us to make a difference in those areas is prayer. Jesus demonstrated that. God doesn't want you to feel inadequate. He wants you to know that you have authority, and as you learn to pray, 
that you will bring about a difference in, in, in those areas. So you may, have, you may have grandchildren that your children won't even let you see. They can't keep you from praying for them. They can't keep you from praying for them. We, we, can, we can pray for people we've met one time. I've got people I've met one time. Two little boys I met one time, two little kids. And some of you have heard me tell this story before. These two little kids, we're, we're at Boston, the Boston Commons, and we're just passing out stickers. We're witnessing to people in the Commons, and we're giving little kids stickers. And I gave these two little kids stickers, and of course, kids love stickers. And they took them and put them on, and the stickers just said, Jesus loves you on them. I mean, that's all. That's, all, that's the only contact I had with these two little kids. Until the dad, I get this tap on my shoulder. And the dad, with fierce anger in his eyes, shoves these two stickers at, at me. And says, never put anything like this on my kids again. God embedded that moment in my head. And I prayed for those kids now for over 30 years. Now those kids are grown adults. I don't know where they're at. But you know what? God knows where they're at. And I pray for them every time I think about them. And I think about them often. Because God embedded that in my mind. I just feel like, uh, that dad's never going to be a prayer covering for him, but I can be. We can pray, and our prayers make a difference. So we need to learn how to pray. Uh, remember, we can, we can teach you things, but you have to practice them. You can't become a great athlete by hearing about the sport and the moves. You have to do them. Even the disciples, the 12 guys that Jesus handpicked to follow him for his entire ministry, they didn't know how to pray until the point comes one day when in Luke chapter 11 we read the story that Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, teach us how to do that. Teach us how to pray. To me, that is an amazing thought that they watched Jesus pray and they said, teach us how to pray. Now here, here's the, the, the mind-blowing thing. They would watched Jesus do a lot of stuff. They'd seen him do miracles. They'd seen him heal people. They'd seen him raise the dead. They'd seen him turn water into wine. They'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen him cast out demons, all kinds of bizarre and supernatural things. And yet we have no recording in, in Scripture where they ever say, teach us how to do that. They'd heard Jesus teach, and he's the greatest teacher in history, the greatest preacher the planet's ever seen, great masterpieces and messages, stories that have been studied for 2,000 years, and we have no written history in Scripture where they said to Jesus, hey, teach us how to teach like that. Teach us how to preach. Instead, what we have in Scripture is them saying, teach us how to pray. Why? Because watching the Lord, they knew that all the power behind his miracles, all of his teaching and his preaching came through prayer. Jesus prayed constantly. He talked to God the Father in the morning, in the afternoons, in the evening, in secret, in front of other people, in all kinds of different ways. And so here's what I'm telling you. If you want to be a difference maker in your family, you want to be a difference maker in your world, you want to be a difference maker for the sake of the kingdom of God, you have to become a person of prayer. Now, our frustrations with prayer are caused by our misconceptions about prayer. And uh, our frustrations with prayer comes from a lot of bad ideas about prayer, some that we've heard uh, from teachers or culture or some that we've just picked up on our own. And, and I, so I'm just going to give you three of them tonight. Uh, we are God, here, here's the first thing you've got to understand as we, we talk about these. Listen, this is really important. We are God's servants. He is not ours. When we surrendered ourselves to him to be our Lord, that means he can do anything with us he wants to. If he puts his hand on you and says, go to the mission field, the only right answer is, how do I get there? What do I need to know before I go? If he puts his hand on you and says, I want you to teach the third grade Sunday school class, the only right answer is, how do I get ready for that? How do I go? If he puts his hand on you and says, I'm taking you through this journey of a, of a health struggle, 
We have every right to come down and pray for God's deliverance, for God's healing. And we've seen God heal people and do amazing things. But if he lets you walk through that health struggle, we walk through it for his glory. We don't walk through it questioning him. We live to show his glory in whatever circumstances we're in. We're living for the sake of his wisdom, his love, being shown to a lost world so that people will be drawn to Christ. When you get that confused, you get some of these myths. Uh, one of the myths is, you know, for lack of a better way to say this, is, that, is about prayer. Prayer is not a magic wand. It's not like some little stick Harry Potter has that he weighs and all of a sudden circumstances change. Prayer is not a, you know, abracadabra and all of a sudden everything in your life changes. It's, it's just not, God is not a genie in a bottle where you now have this little magic thing called prayer and you rub it and God has to come out and say, you know, your wish is my command. That's not who God, God is not our servant, we are God's servant. When we begin to think, boy, everything I say God has to do or he's not faithful, we've missed who God is and who we are. See, we got the roles reversed. Uh, number two, prayer is not a fire extinguisher where you, know, you break the glass in case of emergency. And yet that's, that's what prayer is. With, that's the way they treat prayer. They don't pray on the good days. They only pray when they're in pain. They only pray when there's emergency. They break the glass for the otherwise prayer set up on the wall and they never take time to see God or to grow in God. They pull it out whenever there's a crisis or wherever there's a fire in their life, and then they start you know, wanting to spray prayer all over it. A hurricane's coming, let's pray. God's got, I got cancer, let's pray. Husband's about to walk out on me, let's pray. And you don't, we only use it in times of emergencies. Uh, in fact, the, the, the terminology that we use sometimes is this. All we can do now is pray. All that's left to do is pray. And, and other people are going, has it come to that? Is it that bad all we can do is pray? Like prayer is supposed to be the last resort. After we try to, prayer is not meant to be the last resort in your life. It's meant to be the first choice in your life. We start there. And, and I want to tell you, when you get into a crisis, when you get into a crisis, it's better to enter in, and all of us will probably go through crisis. How many have been through crisis in your life already? Yeah. It's better to be a ways down that pathway of prayer already than to be at the beginning of the pathway. It's better to be down into this relationship with God that you understand than to be starting at the front of the, at the, front of the thing. And so that's when a lot of people begin to pull out prayer, but it's not supposed to be there. We're supposed to have already been a person of prayer and, and that, so that we have that faith in it. Now, here, here, number three. Prayer is not a tug of war with God. You're not trying to talk God into doing something that he doesn't want to do. We're not trying to wear God down, you know, to get to, for him to give us what we want. No, what we're trying to do is we're trying to pray in the will of God so that whatever God wants... His glory shown in it. We want to be healed. And thank God he heals us. Thank God those things happen. But we want the, we want the power of God. God already has his mind in it. Here's one thing that I really want to say. There's no more weight to the power of 10,000 people praying than to two people praying together. You, know, I, you hear this sometimes. You know, we, we send out these prayer sheets, and, and we, we all pray. Well, it doesn't make the prayers more weighty. It just means more people are helping carry the burden and praying. But it doesn't change God's mind. Oh, you know, they got a 1,000 people down there praying at Calvary. I better do this. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll really, this will be bad if I don't do it. Now, God's not thinking that way at all. You know, we're just joining a brother or sister and asking for God to comfort them and to comfort us. I won't, I won't turn down prayers for my emergencies, but my prayer with a couple of friends agreeing, that could be enough. That can be it. We're not trying to change God's mind. Prayer is simply following God's instruction 
to bring about his intended change. Did you get that? When we're praying, we're following how God taught us to do so. We say we're going to share because God's taught us to share that with everybody. Share your need. Tell others about it. It's not going to, what what we're trying to bring about is the intention of God in the situation. We have not because we ask not or we ask or because we ask with wrong motives. That's not, you know, all the way the Bible teaches. God, God wants to answer your prayers But the tug-of-war idea, when you beg or try to bribe God or bargain with God and you beg, you say, oh, please, 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 with sugar on it, God, please do this. That's not, God's not getting manipulated like that. And if I say it 92 times, then maybe he'll say yes. No, he's not getting manipulated by that. Or to bargain with, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this for you. Or, you know, you'll be a really lucky God then because I'll be on your side from now on. God's not biting on any of that stuff. Uh, I'm going to do this for you, God. I know you'll really need to do this, you know, do this for me. And God's going, I really, I do? You don't bargain with God. You don't bribe him with some kind of sales pitch where you keep pestering him until he gives in. No, we ask God. Jesus told this great story. It's one of my favorite stories about prayer where it talks about this unjust judge or this unjust ruler and this widow lady who keeps going after this ruler until he gives in. And, and Jesus at the end of the story says, God's not like that. He is a just God. Now, there's a couple of lessons in this. One is, Jesus says, you should pray like this woman is. He says, you keep praying till you, seek, till you get an answer. And, and I'll tell you, there's been times in my life when I prayed and the answer has been a clear cut, no, stop praying about this. No. There's been other times when the answer's been yes. But the Bible tells us to keep praying because he is not like the unjust judge. He's a good father who wants to bless us. And he wants to move in our lives. So she keeps coming and she keeps praying. Jesus says, pray like that. Uh, keep, keep asking her. But you're not getting it just because you're praying over and over again. Now, during the, the next uh, 40 days, Uh, We're going to explode a bunch of other misconceptions that we might have uh, about prayer. And we're going to cover some some more of the truths of God in it. But tonight I want to hit real quickly five pillars of prayer. These are fundamental truths on which everything else you believe about prayer rests. If you don't get these, you're going to see prayer as a duty, not as a delight. You're going to see it as a burden. You're not going to know whether it's going to work or not. You're going to have a lack of faith in things. So, so here they are. The first, the first pillar of prayer is this. God loves for me to talk to him. He loves for you to talk to him. He loves you. He has the capacity. It's mind-blowing. He has the capacity that all of us could be praying about something different here at the same time, and God hears every one of them. In fact, all the Christians in the world can be praying for this different thing at the same time. God's got, he's got them all. God's not like us. God's this amazing God. You wouldn't exist if God hadn't wanted to love you. He created you to love you. It's the reason you're alive. And when you love somebody, you're interested in what they're interested in. God is interested in what, what you're concerned about. In fact, he's probably put you there and let you be a part of that for the sake of having one of his bringing about his will in the circumstances. So learning how to pray is this really learning how to communicate with God and to be a partner with him to usher his will into your life. So you're sitting out there and you say, man, Pastor, I'm in a really tough place. I am the only person in my family that loves God. Nobody else loves him. Nobody else cares. God has entrusted you with an ungodly family. God hasn't burdened you with an ungodly He hasn't put a, a weight around. He hasn't put you in a place to destroy you. He's put you there and said, I'm going to put you there because your prayers, if you'll learn this, your prayers can bring my light to bear on people who are lost that don't know me, but I put you there. 
I'm in this terrible, terrible workplace. Okay, God, either get me out of it or let me shine like a light in it. In the process of getting me out of it, let me shine like your light in it. I understand that we're his servants and, and that he's interested in what's troubling us. Learning how to pray is really like learning how to communicate with God and to partner with him to usher his will into your life. So how do you learn how to pray? Well, the same way, kind of the same way we learn a language. I would tell you, you, you first learn by listening to other people pray. Just kind of hear, get around people who are prayers and listen. That's how babies learn languages. They listen to others. And then they start to imitate them and they're babbling on and not saying hardly anything and then suddenly a word comes out here or there. You know, God, God's not you know, blown away by our, incon- by our stammering around in prayer. He, he's wanting to build that relationship with us. The fact is, when you talk to God, there's nothing that's off limits. You're concerned about your next paycheck. You're concerned about your next raise. You're concerned about a job. You're concerned, you know, uh, about how your kids are acting. You're concerned about something around Nothing's off limits. Nothing's off limits. In John, John chapter 5, it says, we can be confident approaching God, knowing that he listens to us whenever we ask him for anything according to his will. This is part of the learning. What's according to his will mean? But he's, he's hearing us about anything according to his will. So when I'm praying for a lost friend to get saved, I know God's listening to me because I know clearly it's God's will for that friend to get saved. I can be praying, God, I want to buy that house. And I'm not so confident God's hearing that. He may be saying, no, I got something better for you. I've had that happen in my No. And since we know that he hears us when we make our request, then we can be sure that he will answer us. Now, I want you to take note of a couple things in this verse. Twice in this verse it says, we know that he listens to us and we know that he hears us. There may be some of you in this room that you've grown up in a home where nobody listened to you, been around things where nobody listened to you, and the enemy may whisper in your, you know, you need a preacher to pray. You need a, a pastor to pray because you know, God's not listening to you. I'm just telling you, that's a flat-out lie of the devil. He hears your prayers. He loves you. He listens when we lift our voice to him. It's a sure thing. God always hears you no matter how you say it, when you say it, how loud you say it. If you just think it in your mind, God listens to you. He hears you. Because of that, it says we can be confident in approaching God. We can be sure that he's going to answer our prayers. We can have confidence in him. Is that good news? It doesn't matter if you were saved a week ago. It doesn't matter if you were saved 50 years ago. God hears your prayer, and we can have confidence. Here's number two. Prayer is a conversation, not a ceremony. What's a ceremony? It's something with a bunch of rules and restrictions and regulations that you have to do in a certain way or it doesn't work. That is not prayer. Some of you have been raised in religions where prayer is a ceremony. I want to tell you, in biblical Christianity, prayer is a conversation. It means you talk, and it means you listen. One of the reasons people get bored with prayer is, is because they're doing all the talking, and they never listen. You've got to take time to listen. If you're just doing a monologue to the sky in the dark and you don't get any answers and you don't hear any impressions, of course it's going to be boring. But when you, when, you've got to ta- when, when you take the time to be quiet and to pray and to say something very simple like, God, is there anything you want to say to me today? God, I'm, I'm asking you about my son. I'm asking you about my daughter. I'm asking you about my job. Is there anything you want to say to me? And then God says, yeah, you know, your problem at work, show up on time. 
Don't be late every day. It's going to go better for you. See, is God talking? Yeah, he talks just like that to us. Very simple things sometimes. Very simple. Hey, you trouble with your son? You're not spending enough time with him. You know, take him out to his favorite place to eat this week. Just go hang with him. Don't try to have a big, serious conversation. Just go be his mom. Go be his dad. Have some fun with him. And when you begin to hear God, God begins to tell you something. Hey, in your Sunday school class, you know, get those little kids together that are going crazy and, and calm them all down and pray over them. When you begin to hear God, you begin to listen to God, he'll speak to you in very simple ways and very deep ways. Uh, we read the word to hear from God, and we read the word to understand what's, whether these impressions are really godly or not. Or not. Sometimes through the word, he gives us an impression. Sometimes there's nothing, but all that's fine. Here's the one thing I would always say about hearing the voice of God in your spirit. It has to be biblically aligned. If God says to you, if you're saying to God, God, my wife, she's driving me crazy, and you hear God, yeah, well, next, next time just slap her. That, that is not God. You're not hearing from God. That's your old wicked flesh rising up, and the devil trying to get you in really big trouble. Are, are you with me today? I've got to, does it match the word? Prayer is a relationship, not a ritual. Number three, God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. Sincere and simple. You don't have to use flowery language. You don't have to use fancy phrases. You don't have to sound spiritual. You don't have to do, use religious cliches. You just talk to God. The only condition is that you're sincere and, and, and that, that means it comes from the heart and it's simple. It's authentic. It's real. It's honest. And you pray about, about what you're, you're feeling and you, and you say it. Uh, not, not what you think you ought to pray about. You just you pray. It's just simple and sincere. Now, you can be sincerely wrong, but if you're listening, he's going to tell you that. God, this is what I want. I really want it. God, this is what I'd like to have changed. This is what I'd like my, this person to do or that person to do. And God may go, no, 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 no. You really, that's really not the good, best thing. But he hears us when we're sincere. It doesn't have to be super spiritual sounding. God hears. He listens to the prayers that are sincere and simple and, and, and that are honest. So you have a friend that's going into surgery. They've asked you to pray for him. It's, it's real simple. Lord, my friend's, my friend's going into surgery tomorrow. Would you, would you be with them? I know you will be, Lord, but I'm, I'm just asking you to encourage their spirit today and help the doctors not to make any mistakes and give them quick recovery, minimal amount of pain. God, it would really be great if you just healed them, but if they've if they got to walk through this, you know, be with them. Jesus hears that prayer. You don't have to go into a 20-minute lecture on the values of a hospital or find a bunch of other verses to share with the person. Or Listen, I want to tell you, we, we, when you start growing in this prayer thing, you need to understand this. Longer is not stronger in prayer. We, we, we talk to our prayer teams about this. People come up, you, you come up for prayer for something. Just because you stand there with them for 15 minutes doesn't mean it's a stronger experience than if you just pray for them. If you come up and they pray for you and they don't take 15 minutes with you, don't be just, it's not about longer. It's just about being honest before God about what you want, want to have happen. And then trusting and having faith in God. Simple, sincere, humble, authentic. Those, those, kinds, those are the kinds of prayers that God likes. God's much more interested in those kind of prayers than the long-winded, you know, sermon, preaching type of prayers where we're informing God of things he already knows. Just be sincere. Don't spout off a lot of cliches. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith. These are the two qualifications. Sincerity and sim simplicity set us up as long as we are biblically aligned. 
sincere heart and, and sure faith. Sincere heart means I'm going to talk about the way I really feel. You already know the way I feel. I just need to let you know about it. I need to confess it to you. If I'm mad at somebody, I can tell you, I get mad at people sometimes. You pray for me. If I'm mad at somebody, I go, God, I'm really, that, that, they just ticked me off today. And God says, I know, but you've got to love them. Yeah, I know that, God. But you, you help me because I'm really mad. Yeah, well, I, mean, I know they treated you the way, you know, the Pharisees treated Jesus. Oh, well, not really. I know, I know they were like the Roman soldiers today with you, weren't they? No, not really. And so, okay, why don't you just get over yourself here a little bit? But if I'm upset or I'm, if I'm nervous, if you're worried, if you're fearful, if you're afraid, if you're confused, hey, it's okay just to say, God, I, they've asked me to do this thing, and I'm scared. I've got this presentation at work, and I'm worried about it. You know, I've got to, I'm going to try to witness to my friend today, and I'm nervous. I don't know what to say. Just be sincere. Number four, God loves to show his grace by answering, his, by answering prayer. You, this is a pillar you just have to understand. God loves to show his grace by answering prayer. God is a good God. He's a good father. He's a gracious father. He's a compassionate and loving father. God loves to answer prayer because he, he gets to show, show you what he's really like and that he really loves you. Everything in the universe comes from the generosity of God. No one's more generous than God. When you pray and you ask for something in prayer, you make a request or a petition. Uh, one of the words... It, it's one of the words of God. It gives God the opportunity to show you what he's really like. God loves it when you ask for stuff. Over 20 times in the New Testament, we are commanded, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. You have not because you ask not. If you ask anything in my name, you'll get over 20 times. It gives us this instruction to ask. To ask. If you're a child of God, you are commanded to ask God for stuff. Why? Because God gets to show how good he is. I want to tell you, we should all be asking, God, every Sunday at our church, let people get saved. Just put that on your prayer list. God, this Sunday, let people get saved. He gets to show how gracious he is, how loving he is, how generous he is. His every answer that God gives through your prayer, it shows that he's a good God and that he listens and he answers. Now, listen. You, you don't get an answer of yes to every prayer you pray. You know that from experience, right? But even when the answer is no, even when the answer is not yet, it comes from this fact that God is a good God. God shows his glory, his wisdom, his power, and his love when he answers our prayers. Do, 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 do any of you know any parent in the entire world, did any of you ever have a parent that gave, you, gave the child everything they asked for? How many of you got everything you asked for when you were a kid growing up? Of course not. The truth is that ruined the kid, wouldn't it? There are dozens and dozens of reasons why parents do not give their children everything they ask for. And there are dozens and dozens of reasons why God doesn't say yes to everything you ask for. You may not understand why, but you're not God. Here are just a couple of, couple of reasons. Sometimes God says no for our protection. Sometimes God says no for our direction. I talk to kids about this many, many times when they're applying for a college. And I'll say, I mean, this is the one I really want to go to, but I've applied for these two or three over here. I say, you understand that sometimes we have to hear God's no so we can see God's yes. And what you think may be the perfect thing for you, God may know it's not the perfect thing for you. And so he closes a door so you'll discover another door. 
I've got to trust God in this. This is the great thing about being a Christian. One of the great things about being a Christian is I can stop worrying about stuff. Say, God, you know, I'm applying for this job. If it's your will, let me have it. If it's not your will, don't let me have it. Let your will be done, not my will be done. And if it's a no, okay, What's, what, do I, what do I do next? Sometimes God says no for our correction, to, to correct us on our course. Sometimes God says no for our perfection, to help us grow in our character. Sometimes God says no for our inspection. He looks inside of us and helps us see what we couldn't see before. God shows his glory and his love when he answers our prayer. But remember, God doesn't think like us. God's not trying, he, he doesn't think to learn. We think to learn. He doesn't think to figure things out. God already knows everything. He already has everything figured out. He knows the beginning from the end. We are his servants. He's not confused for a second. He's not surprised by anything. He knows the best outcome. We need to trust him. God says, God says, you know, sometimes somebody will say, uh, you know, did God answer, you know, why didn't God answer my prayer? And God says, I, I, didn't answer, I didn't say I'd answer every prayer every way you wanted. I just said I'll answer. So people say, you didn't answer me. God says, you know, I certainly did answer I just said no. The answer was no. I read, read someplace, there's four possible answers to your prayer. Yes, no, not yet, and you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and you've prayed for some of those requests, and God's going, are you kidding me? You're asking for what? Come on. A child, a baby, doesn't know the difference between no and not yet. Maturity is when you realize that God's delays are not always God's denials. A lot of times God says, I have every intention of giving this to you, just not yet. You're not ready for it yet. And before I can give you the solution, you've got to have the growth and character. Because I'm going to give you something far bigger than you're asking for. I remember years ago we had a kid in my youth group, and there was another kid. Both of these were kids that loved God. But they, they, their personalities, you know, one was kind of a yuppie kind of kid, and the other was just kind of a you know, kind of a just a grungy kind of, you know, none of the dress codes, none of that stuff really mattered to him. And, and they, they just, they both loved, they both, they'd both be on the opposite sides of the altar praying, and they just didn't click together. And this one kid was talking to me one day, and he, he said to me, he said, I, Pastor, I'm just ready to go to college because I want to get away from him. And I said, you got to deal with that. He says, he goes, I am. I'm going to go away to college. I said, no, no, no. There's something in your character God's dealing with about him. And if you go away to college and you don't deal with it, God's going to put somebody just like him in your life. He says, college is going to be big enough. I'm going to be able to stay away from him. I said, okay, well, we'll see. First time he's home from school, he walks up to me. He goes, I hate you. I said, why do you hate me? He said, my roommate is him. He is my roommate. God's put him in my room. Why? Because what's God doing? He's working on your character. He's working on your character. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God's answer is bigger than our perspective. Sometimes you ask God for something. He says, you have no idea what you're asking for. That's not really what you want. I know what you want more than you know what you want. You want to be happy. That's not going to make you happy. You think it's going to make you happy, but it won't. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a bigger perspective. Call to me, and I'll answer you. And my prayer will not be the yes. My answer will be I will show you things that you could not figure out on your own and get you to the bigger perspective. That, friends, is when we come to God and we say, God, what is your will? What is your will? And months later, years later, you're looking back on it and you're going, God, I'm so glad you didn't do that to me. Matthew 7 says, 
If you be an imperfect and a sinful parent, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? That's kind of obvious. God's a perfect Father. He's only going to give you good things. But he wants to give you stuff that you haven't even imagined. In James 4, 2, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. That's going to be the theme as we go through this, is understanding that there are things that we're going to get that, we're, that we miss because we don't ask. Now, here, here's number five. God longs to be close to you. God longs to be close to you. He desires it. He wants it deeply. He made you to be close to him. He wants you to draw close to him. That's why we face some of the things that we face because they naturally push us to him. Do you remember when you were little and, and you got scared at the house and, and you ran out of your room and you ran and jumped in bed with your mom and dad or your mom or whoever because you were scared? God lets us have some of those moments where we'll, we'll run and jump into his arms. Isaiah 30 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait on him. Here's another version. The Lord waits for you to come to him so he can show you his love and his compassion. Did you know that? Did you know that every day that you go without prayer, without reading God's word, without spending time with God, he's waiting on you. You were made for this. You were made to know God. You're made to have a relationship. For, you're made to have this relationship of fellowship, and he's waiting for you to come, come to that. Have you ever blocked somebody's calls on, your, on, your face, or, or on phone or Facebook? I, I was talking to a mom who has an adult child, and uh, this adult child's actually doing really good, and it's the mom that's really confused. And, I, and I'm, I'm trying to working to patch this relationship up. It's, a, it's a people who live a long way from here. And, um, and I was talking to the mom this week, and it was like running around a tree. And I said, when was the last time you talked to your daughter? I have blocked her on my phone. And I said to her, there is nothing on God's green earth my kids could do to make me block them on my phone. Well, she's hurt my feelings. I don't care. She's your daughter. If my kid was a drug addict, he could always call me. If my kid was making terrible decisions, they'd always be able to call me. May not tell them what they want to hear. You know, I've, I've had to block some people on Facebook because they sent, literally sent me pictures that I said, if you ever send me another picture like that, I'm blocking you, and I've had to block them. God never blocks us. God never blocks us. You know, I, I, he, he's just always there for us. The Bible's full of, of examples of people who have a close relationship with God. And God wants to have a close relationship with us. Hosea 6.6 6 says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Can you feel that? Can you sense that God wants Good, bad, ugly, whatever is going on in our life, God wants us to draw close to him. He wants to heal us. He wants to help us. We've got to come to him and trust him. Okay, I'm going to skip down here to the very end of this tonight. I'm going to give you four things, or four or five things right here at the end. Real simple. How do you get closer to God? You've got to desire it and make time for it. Make desire it and make time for it. The closer I, I am to God, the less stressed and the more blessed I'm going to be. That's a great promise, isn't it? Now, for those of you who have the 40 Days book, if you'll open it up real quick, and for the rest of you, you can just follow around and write these on your notes. Here, here are just a couple of quick things you need to, under, need, need to think about this week. One, God is a caring Father. Maybe you had a father who didn't care. God wants to change that image in your life. He's a caring father. He cares about you. Here are some scriptures you can read that will tell you about it. God is a consistent father. You can read some scriptures that talks about God's consistent, consistency. God is a close father. He's there. God is never too busy for me. God loves to meet my needs. God is sympathetic to our hurts. And finally, 
God is a competent father. Let, let's stand together and let's come down to the altar together tonight before we go home. Well, I've rushed through a lot of this. There's a lot of material in this. It's really good, isn't it? A lot of really good material in this. And, and here's what I would challenge you to do. In your prayer times this week, take the notes from tonight and just kind of pray through them again. Kind of meditate on what they mean. Think about, okay, God is a caring father. What, okay, what do these scriptures say? God is a sympathetic father. What do these scriptures say? It's going to give you a bigger picture of who your God is. God wants me to ask him for things. God wants my prayers to be sincere and sympathetic. Uh, he wants them to be just right there. He wants them to be just really open. So, okay, I, what all I've learned to do is pray ritualistically, to pray mantras kind of. Okay, I need to set that down. I need to learn to just talk to God. You know, you may, been, you may have learned, there may have been some tools that you kind of learn to pray around. Those can be helpful. But at some point in time, even all the tools got to be set aside. And you've got to just simply say, you know, I'm going to take a few minutes to worship God, and I'm going to talk to God, and I'm going to listen to God. Okay, so I've got this child that's not making great decisions. The Bible has taught me to pray for deliverance from the hand of the enemy. God, over my child's life, bind the spirit of Satan that would deceive him and confuse him and mess him up and bring about your will in his life. And we just begin to learn to talk to God about these things. Now, we'll talk about this more in the weeks to come. As you do that, there will be moments, if you'll be open, where the spirit of God will swell up within you and you'll begin to pray with a passion about that thing that comes from God. He will put words in your mouth. Amen. Now, so this may blow some of you. Sometimes a lot those words may be English. Those words may not be English. You're not praying from your understanding. You're praying from your spirit when you do that. You're praying from here. And God's carrying you away in it. And the Bible says that's some of the most effective praying you're ever going to do. You're really in the, in the spiritual thick of things when, you're, when that's happening in your life. And that can go on for uh, 10 seconds. That can go on for 10 minutes. And when you come out of it, you know you've been in the middle of God doing something. But this time alone with God, learning how to be in that kind of place where it's not just God bless us, bless this food to us, God, now we, lay me down to sleep. No, where we're in there doing the work of the kingdom to bring about, to bring, listen, God's empowerment into our lives, into the situations we have authority over. That's where things really get changed. Father, I thank you for this congregation tonight. And, Lord, I pray that the things that they needed to hear tonight that, that uh, Father, would jump off of the page into their spirits. Uh, I thank you for that. I give you glory for that. And, and I pray that in our daily prayer times, in our daily alone times, whether we're taking, whether we're at that five-minute run or we're, whether we're at a 10-minute run or a half-an-hour run, whatever we're able to do, whatever we're able to sustain, that you'll, we know you're going to meet us right there. Encourage us in that. And, Lord, lead us into these things where everything changes. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I share one testimony? I was with one of my friends. In fact, he's in one of the other classes uh, today. And we were at lunch, and at the end of lunchtime, uh, I said to him, was there anything we can pray about? And he named three or four things. And then he told me, he said, you know, we, we've had this rental house for a while, and we've been wanting to sell it, and we haven't been able to get it sold. Nobody's been biting on it. Boy, it'd really take a lot of pressure off us if we just get out from underneath that. We, we just don't want to be there. So we just, we just sat there in Chili's, and we just prayed. I, mean, I didn't jump up and shout and run around the table three or four. I just, we sat there and prayed. 
And, uh, and one of the things we prayed for, God, let this house sell. It's been on the, I don't know how long, but this has been on the market for a long time. Before I got back to the church, he called me. He said, Pastor, my wife just called. They sold that piece of property. While we were praying, that piece of property sold. Now, I think God was doing that in his life to uh, confirm some things about our conversation that was going on. Confirm some things that are going on in his life. But I just want to tell you, one of the things we talked about is, hey, for the next six months, you know, write down the things you're concerned about. Begin to pray about them every day. Begin to give your tithe. Be faithful to church. And see what happens in these things six months from now. Now, I'm going to tell you, you probably won't have crossed all of them off, but you'll have crossed some of them off because God's going to show you that he's concerned about your life. I didn't know he was going to cross one of them off before we got back to our offices. But if you'll obey God, he'll meet the needs of your life. Amen? God bless us. We thank you for your good things in our life. Guide us and direct us today in Jesus' name. Amen.